It's September 2nd, 2008, and this is The Candid Frame. Welcome back to another episode of The Candid Frame. Today's guest is Adrian Sanchez-Gonzalez, and Adrian is a freelance photojournalist based here in Los Angeles. Unlike many of the photographers that I've interviewed on the show over the last several years, Adrian is a photographer in the early years of his career. Beginning even before he graduated high school, he began as an assistant to a professional photographer who provided him not only the opportunity to learn a craft, but also to travel to countries as far as China and Dubai. It's no surprise that such experiences inspired him to become a photographer. While it's always interesting to hear a seasoned photographer talk about his beginnings, I enjoyed having a conversation with a young photographer whose passion and work ethic is leading him to what will no doubt be an interesting life's work. So sit back and enjoy our conversation with Adrian Sanchez-Gonzalez. All right, man. Thank you for uh, for making the time for me today. Um, tell us how you got started. Um, well, I got started, I guess, when I started taking pictures inside the family. So um, my parents will give me the camera, like, hey, take the family picture. I was like, all right. Well, I didn't mind not being in it, so I said, sure. And uh, that was probably like, that was way back 12, when I was 12, 13, 14 years old. Got into high school and uh, started seeing the San Fernando Educational Technology Team, and or San Fernando Education Technology Team. <laughs> um, got involved with that. G- got mixed up a little bit with video and learning all the web stuff and all the multimedia stuff. Um, kind of ignited, ignited, ignited the motivation a little bit more found out that my neighbor was a professional photographer and so out of curiosity I just went over to his house said hey um, any pointers on photography it's like yeah you know you're interested in photography I'm like sort of yeah why not and then so he gave me some a few photos just like safari stuff and told me how he did it and what kind of equipment he used and it's pretty cool he showed me some of the equipment I was like that was the first time I ever got close enough to a 400 millimeter oh, yeah. lens and on a SLR. I was like, wow. <laughs> and after that, I was like, wow, you take those pictures with those, with those cameras? That's pretty neat. It's like, yeah, you know, if I, you know, are you really interested? I can give you some work. You know, I can hire you as my assistant. I say, well, wow, this, is, this sounds pretty cool. You know, like, I'll take your word for it. Sure, why not? And then uh, just before... The winner came in for my senior year in high school. I was uh, already starting to travel all over the place. I, I had gone to New York and been all over the place with this guy. And at the start, I was just basically holding flashes and and just rearranging uh, the equipment, putting bags and cameras inside of all the kind of stuff. And then, uh, uh, what, what kind of work was he? he doing primarily that took you around all over the country um his work was mostly like uh clients parties it was kind of odd you know they hire a photographer and 
to document the, the festivities, conferences, and he basically worked with two cameras, sometimes three. It was right between, it was in 2004, so it was just when film was just starting to disappear and digital was booming. Mm-hmm. So he was working with three cameras sometimes, even four, I think. And um, so I was holding cameras, and at one point he told me, like, go ahead, grab the camera and shoot whatever you want. And then, so I started shooting. Came back a week later, he looked at my stuff, he reviewed it, and said, wow, you got a pretty, you got a pretty decent eye, you know, we can work on it. But uh, next time, just grab the camera and, and just shoot. You know, he told me a little bit more basic stuff, like how to, how to frame it, how to focus, um, metering, and uh, started, started doing some more assignments with him. Next thing I know, I'm in Dubai as soon as uh, I graduate. Actually, it was pretty kind of cool. <laughs> to as soon as you graduated high school? Yeah. <laughs> I'm in Dubai. Even before that, for, my, for prom night, I was in China. That's how nuts it was. It was like, man, we were traveling all over the place. And he's got some pretty interesting clients. I mean, in China, we were covering a, a, a delegation of people that are from different corporations around the world. They get together. They do this, they do this retreat for like a week long, 10 days about. And they go to different areas of, of China. So they'll go see the, the Great Wall and, and, uh, and they'll go see the, the, stone, uh, the stone Warriors. I forgot their names, but it's like in Xinhao or some kind of city out there. Uh, got to visit Tibet also, but that was two years later. Uh, two years later, I go back to China and visit Tibet. Um, we visited, uh, visited Shanghai the, fir- the first time I went. I visited Shanghai. That was pretty interesting. You, you got to tell me what your parents must have been thinking, because most parents think of their high school, you know, soon to graduate high school, you know, son or daughter, and they think, oh, get a job for the summer. He's going to go and get a job at Taco Bell or, or uh, uh, Starbucks, and here you are traveling halfway across the world. What were, they, what, what were they thinking when you come in and you tell them, oh, I'm going to Dubai, I'm going uh, to China? <laughs> it was kind of funny. Um, I tell them, hey, mom, I'm going to uh, China with my next door neighbor. They're like what <laughs> you just graduated We're, I mean you haven't even graduated you're going to China and it said yeah it's once in a lifetime opportunity I don't even know if I'm going to happen to go some, to China again ever two years later I go back to China anyway <laughs> but there were one they were a little bit confused and one they were excited one mostly excited but still like still very confused about it they were like, how did how did you do this? You know, <laughs> but uh, they knew they, they know that I wasn't a troublemaker, and that they knew the neighbor very well enough that he wasn't you know lying about anything that he did, and he was he, he was of confidence, so it worked out that way. And he was paying me, so they said, well, if you're getting paid and you, you're starting to establish yourself, go for it. So it, w- it was hesitant, but it wasn't like, don't do it. It was just mm-hmm. like, just be careful. That, that kind of uh, protection that every parent has before their kids leave the house, kind of that, that kind of, uh, that feeling was what I was getting from my parents. What, what were you thinking about around that time? I know you were working, helping him out doing his work. But when did you start sort of thinking about, man, I really could probably do this on my own. I don't need to be, a, need to be an assistant forever when when did that sort of 
you know, that sort of transition started happening in your head and you start thinking about striking out on your own? Um, I, I would say a year later, it was 2005. Um, I had seen enough places, I guess you can say, that were, uh, it, it sparked to me and it, it hit my head and said, dude, you know, I've met all these people. I've gotten their business cards. I've communicated with them in the email. You know, it would be interesting if I can start communicating with them one-on-one for personal assignments. And at one point, oh, his name is Don, the, the photographer, Don Camp. Don told me, he's like, you know, can you do this for me? I'm going to be out of town for some assignment. Can you cover this? It's in Beverly Hills. I would say, sure. So I, I take the pictures. The client will like them and say, hey, good job. You know, he'll congratulate me. Give me a little bonus here and there. Give me more assignments. And after that, I was like, well, you know, this is pretty cool. Um, I still had a, a really developed eye, like a, a documentary uh, photographer, but um, I knew enough to what, it, what that would explain it in the frame. And so it, I would take pictures, cover the do- document the event, and then um, give it to the client. And certainly enough, they liked it. So I started developing my own style. It was slightly different from his, and. So I, I told him out of just confidence, I guess you can say, that if I could, he can give me like half of the assignments of one, uh, of one month. And he's like, well, wh- what for? You know, kind of like, you know, what a boss would say to, to a, a, uh, an upcoming employee trying to get mm-hmm. up and he's like, well, so what for? And he was like, well, just to have more, more practice, more training on, on, uh, on doing work alone. And he said, well, we'll look on it. And then uh, it didn't really move on. It was just like, okay, here and there, sporadically. So I said, well, you know, I really want to do this on my own now. So that was near the end of 2005. Um, I heard about the Perfect Exposure Gallery. Came by to visit. They had the uh, uh, John Mark Bougeau uh, photographers. He's got, uh, he had some work up from uh, Africa. And I met the photographer. It was actually the closing day that he came by to visit, and he was actually there, the photographer. And um, I spoke. I spoke to him one on one. He said, "You know, it's all about vision. You know, it's all about what you want to see in the world and how you want people to see it. You know, and if you share that, you know, that's you've accomplished something." Tell me about how, you know, because you started, you know, primarily doing you know, PR stuff, grip and grin sort of things, and you start talking about developing a sort of documentary, photojournalistic style. Um, How did you find your way to actually becoming a a photojournalist? Because a lot of people end up having careers in photography that pretty much begins, you know, with whatever introduced them into it. So if they got introduced to wedding photography or or PR work. That's primarily what they end up doing. But you're doing a whole, whole different, different thing. So how did, how did you sort of segue in, into that? The gallery kind of helped out. I met the photographer John Mark Bourgeau of, of his, his exhibition. That kind of ignited me to saying, well, you know, this is kind of cool what he does. So I came back for another visit to the gallery. This was, I say, three months later. 
I met the curator, Armando Rurizo, and he said, um, you know, there's, there's some great opportunities here, you know, if you want, um, I can take you out on a shoot one day. I'm doing some, something for the, for the New York Times and uh, the European Press Photo Agency next week. He said, like, he said, do you want to come along? I said, sure, why not? You know, I'll check it out. And uh, I took some time off from, from work from with Don and uh, went with Armando to, we took a photograph of, uh, I think it was a business, uh, a bank manager or, or semi-owner of, of IndyMac Bank before it went down and became federal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, we took a picture of him in, in, out in West Covina. From there, we drove down to Anaheim and covered the Angels all in the same day. And he said, here, here's a camera for you. Uh, here's a long lens. Um, didn't get you a good spot at, down on the field, but at least you have a position up on, on, on the, near the press box. So you have an overview perspective. I said, all right, well, whatever. I'm here. I'm learning. Why not? So I had a 300 with the, with the first Canon 1D uh, EOS 1D. SLR was like the first time I actually hold like a sports camera because all the other cameras were like were filmed. They shot five uh, frames a second. So the first time I touched the the, the shutter, uh, it, it shot like four frames <laughs> one on one spot. I was like, "Holy crap!" So then, then I'll go back and review the pictures, and it was capturing the whole sequence, and it was like doing it fast enough. Like I got used to doing quite quite fast. You can it almost looked like a movie. So I kind of got entertained by that. <laughs> But um, I kept doing some more, uh, some more shots and got, got some pretty cool stuff. Got, some, got a high angle of uh, an angel running into home plate and being safe, being safe to the plate. And so he, he scored a run and they put it up on the wire. So I was like, wow. Where so I asked him, like, where's that going? He's like, well, it's going to Germany and then they'll distribute to whatever uh, papers choose to use it. I was like, all right, well, that sounds pretty cool. And he used my name, so it would come out with my credit. I never got to see if it, if it came out to get published, but it was a pretty cool experience. Actually, I was like, wow, this is kind of cool. So I asked him, like, well, how often do you do this? He said, oh, this is, uh, this is my day job, and I'm a curator also, so I'm a photographer and, <laughs> and curator. I was like, all right, well. It's like, so how would you consider yourself? Well, I'm like a photojournalist. I was like, cool. Is that, is like... Do you, do you just cover sports, or like no? I cover all kinds of news, all kinds of sports, and all kinds of uh, sporadic events. He sh- then um, he showed me a, 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 a tear sheet of one of the uh, uh, what was it? I think it was Newsday. He showed me the front the front cover of the Newsday, and it was his picture on it of the JetBlue airplane landing on LAX when it was uh, when it had that landing gear problem. Oh. It had all that the huge smoke, so. He, his picture was front page. I was like, wow, that's kind of cool. He's like, yeah, you know, if you're interested, just come on, start coming by the gallery and, uh, and I can teach you to take photojournalism. So, so what does it mean to be a, a freelancer now? Because, you know, it used to be the dream of everyone to be on staff on a paper. And, you know, that's, those days are going by real quick with all these papers, including the Times cutting back. So for you... Um, where you're not guaranteed a sort of job every day, how does it work out that you're, you know, that you get an assignment or that you have a job to do in any given day? What's, 
who do you have to contact? What, what kind of research do you have to do? How does it all happen? Um, I started looking up um, stock photo agencies, uh, Corbis, Getty, uh, Lando, Zuma Press. They're all basically stock photo agencies, um, all with the sense of journalism. So also they, they'll have the creative stuff and their studio work, but there's also a, a, a journalism uh, category, you can say. And they'll, they'll pitch out to the newspapers so they can get published. So a year and a half later, uh, I figured that out. Because at first I, I had to learn what journalism was. I actually went to school and uh, took a photojournalism classes and journalism classes. Um, found out what ethics is and what, what it is to be uh, documenting an event ethically. Um, finished those classes, figured out that, you know, that these, these companies can, can um, take your photos in and, and then you can pitch assignments to them. And if they, they, if they like them or if they're interested in them, they'll take, they'll take it and pay, pay for the assignment. So I started doing research. I went out to, uh, to websites of Getty, Corbis, Lando, Zuma Press, found out who their editor was, gave him a call said, hey, you know, uh, I'm a freelance photographer. I've uh, been doing some, some work locally here, and I've also done some traveling. Uh, I have a portfolio if you're interested in looking at. And they all asked for the portfolio, so I sent it out to them. And the next day I get an email or I got a call from either one of them. And they said, okay, um, we'll send you out the information how to FTP the photos. That was basically it. And I say, okay, you're, you're granted to send us your photos no, here's the here's the FTP info and just start pitching us it was simple as that yeah <laughs> you know most people think that it's much more involved and difficult like that and never even take the initiative to pick up the phone so that's commendable that you just sort of did it but I guess you didn't know that you couldn't do it so yeah I took a chance I mean I, I was just interested like well you know I learned about what's an editor I, I knew what I learned all the uh, the staff positions of a newspaper I worked in the school newspaper in, in Pierce College and um, so out of curiosity, I was like, well, you know, they got to have some kind of information on, the, uh, on their websites, just like they do on the LA Times. You look them up, you look up uh, who the editors are, they'll have every editor, every staff position on, on, their, on their site with their emails. Well, now they're just emails before they used to have emails and phone numbers. Um, and you can click on their email link and you can write to them. So I was I was just curious. I was just like just taking a taking a chance, and soon enough I got a response. So you know, for me that was I don't know. I guess granted to to do that. So you have to shoot a variety of different things. You're not just shooting portraits. You're not just shooting sports. You're not just shooting you know grip and grin. You're not just shooting fashion. You got to be a jack of all trades. Um, a lot of people think they want to do only one type of photography, but you can't afford to, to sort of limit yourself there. But um, you know, what, what are some of the challenges of, of having to be that diverse but still have to produce, you know, real strong images? Um, the, main, the main challenge, I would say, is getting your contacts. Not a lot of people know freelance photographers. They all go to bellaphotography.com or they all go to, uh, uh, what's the other one? Oh, they go, they'll, they'll, they'll hear from their friends. Uh, photographer that they did for their wedding um, so 
getting your information out, that's really difficult. So w once I had my portfolio out there to on on Corbis and Getty and all that, um, they kind of like, they kind of helped out. They said, okay, well, if you you know, we can give you some contacts and or if you if anybody's interested in some other work, you know, we'll let you know. Um, soon enough, I think it was uh, I think it was Lando. They said um, we have T-Mobile. They need a photographer and. Uh, their, I think their, their event was I think it was a star opening and so it was they said it's in, it's in um, uh, West Covina he, uh, here's the contact info of the person give them all find out what they need and then uh, you can give them a rate you can do whatever you want so I said alright so got the info gave them a rate they said fine come out uh, on this date took the pictures gave, send them out a CD Next thing I know, I got a check and a, and a and a happy client. And so after that, I said, "Hey, thanks for the thanks for the work. Uh, if you need anything else, let me know." And uh, I also do other events. And if you're their, their, their photos were going to be used for an employee magazine. It's like an internal magazine. Mm -hmm. And uh, I asked them, like, if you guys need any other kinds of pictures? Uh, I shoot news. I shoot sports. So if you guys need pictures to for your magazine let me know you know and I'll, and I'll hop out the lady said great you know it's like you know we never had a we never had a staff photographer you know we'll, we'll keep your 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 info on file next thing you know I start getting calls like left and right from all kinds of people so that was kind of cool like just that first kind of kind of reaction of having a person satisfied with the work and then saying okay well you know We'll, we'll, we'll send out your information. Yeah, it's surprising how things can take off, you know, pretty easily. I mean, once you deliver good work, you're reliable, you're personable, yeah. you know. All those things play a real big role because it's really about, you know, relationships. That's really what's, what, what a successful business is about. Mm -hmm. You know, you can be an, an okay photographer, but if you have just sort of basic fundamental skills that people oftentimes don't think about, you can have a, a, a good career. You know, better if you're a great photographer too. But um, photojournalism is a real competitive. You know, particularly in the LA market. I mean, the competition is is, is sort of fierce. But you're working with uh, primarily an agency based outside of the United States. So, how is that different for you in terms of the work that you produce compared to people who are shooting for papers and agencies here in in the states? Uh, you're asking different as in uh, is there any is there any difference at all there may not be um, the only difference is that the client that I work for is called Agencia Efe it's a Spanish wire service so they're all their uh, their headquarters is based in Madrid Spain and their their main focus is Hispanic news if it's um, immigration if it's Hispanic celebrities they're the first ones and major ones to cover it you know, there's they're, so now they're competing not only with AP and uh, Reuters in the United States because that's AP and Reuters cover all kinds of events in the United States. Now they gotta uh, they gotta compete with them and pitch out to La Opinion or uh, or all kinds of newspapers in South and Latin America. And it was. It was different in the sense that I'm shooting PR stuff, I'm shooting 
one or two documentary events and now I have to shoot um, red carpet or now I have to shoot a, a, a welfare mom in East LA yeah. and it was all going to be uh, you know three four photos kind of so it, it wasn't it wasn't so off of what I was doing before but it was just a little bit different because now I'm sending out to a wire and now I'm, I'm competing with AP I'm competing with Reuters so all these with photographers around the world so it wasn't just you know like uh, I guess you can say a, a pick off the toothpick it was a pick off the tree mm. yeah. you know so it was a huge different piece of branch that I was taking off of and um, it, it was it started getting complicated at start because it was it was all in Spanish and all, all the news that I was looking for was was all English based I guess you can say American American yeah. information and they weren't really interested in you know they were they kept saying no we had to look for Hispanic information so then um, I started getting contacts and opinions says hey do you guys need any uh, any information I started kind of like doing kind of like freelance work for them but I was just kind of taking ideas from them so I can kind of pitch them back out to Efe um, didn't really work out <laughs> so I said well you know I'll talk to the photographers see what they're doing and see if they have any, any clues or, or any idea what's going on around town and surely enough so I became friends with some of the photographers uh, and next thing I know you know I'm telling them hey so what are you guys doing next week oh you know we're doing this and that um, cool do you have any idea of what any other buddy else that maybe some, something similar to that well, yeah, there's this person. Go, go see them. So then, I'll pitch out ideas to Efe about those, those stories, and they said, okay, yeah, we're interested. And since it was more Hispanic, then I started becoming, I started branching out in some, some of the documentary work. And next thing I know, uh, last year in, in 07, in August, I did a, a full trip from uh, San Diego to Brownsville, Texas, covering the. Uh, immigration on the border. Tell me about that, how about that story, and how it took shape, and you know what your process was for trying to determine where to go, what time to shoot, who do I meet. You know, you, you, you're you're pretty much on your own. You don't have the benefit of a writer, sort of telling you, okay, uh, I interviewed this person, go and photograph them. You're basically on your own in terms of finding the story, shooting, determining your schedule. So how did that work? Because that's that's a big story big story and very little experience <laughs> I'm 23 years old I have or 22 still I'm still not even 23 I, still, I don't know why I keep telling people I'm 23 years old I don't know <laughs> I'm so anxious to get there I guess um, I'm 22 years old I have no experience of what it takes to cover a, a, a huge uh, transitional story about immigration for, for example um, so I said well I'll take a chance. I heard a, I heard about the, the a documentary crew that was going to go down to the border and covers cover some parts of the border. So I said, "Can I meet you guys at, at these locations?" They said, "Sure, you can even ride along with us." I said, "All right. Well, you know, can we meet in in, in San Diego when you guys go down there?" They said, "Sure." So I would meet up with them. They would kind of like help me out with uh, some of the locations they're they're scouting for, and then. Uh, I looked at the locations that they were looking at, and then kind of, kind of 
separated from them. And I want to copy what they were doing, so I did my own story. And then, um, so it all started in, in San Diego. We crossed the border to Tijuana, and they started talking to some people, and I started to talk, talking to some other people. And, and that's where I started unraveling some of the, the backstories. I heard that some people were actually not even crossing the border. They're actually coming to Tijuana to enjoy the beach. It's just that they're right on the border. Mm-hmm. They're five feet away from a fence that really doesn't block anybody. I mean, there's like huge gaps between the fence and people can just walk right through. So I started documenting some of that. I stayed there the whole afternoon, actually, and asked people, like, hey, what are you guys doing later? And kind of started creating relationships, as you can say. And with the people there and said oh yeah we're doing this we're doing that in the afternoon um, any other locations that, that you think would be interesting for me to for me to cover oh yeah go if you're if you're up early in the morning tomorrow go down uh, 10 miles on the San, on the San Diego border and there's the airport and there's uh, there's like an exhibition or it's not really an exhibition but that's how they they said it there's an exhibition of process with people's names on it and people who died attempting to cross the border. I said, all right, that sounds like a pretty interesting story. Woke up the next morning, covered that. I found some interesting people on the border, uh, picking up trash and telling me their stories about, you know, why, why, why here on the border and why not 20 miles inland? And they'd all said it because of the economy on the border is different from 20 miles inland. Mm. I said, that, well, that's an interesting story. Well, I started asking people, what's the economy like? Well, it's all drugs, and it's all violence, and it's all uh, human trafficking. I said, wow, man, that, that just like opened up the, the door to so, like, where I need to go to the next, to the ne- my next day on the, board, on the border. So I asked them, like, well, what do you know about human trafficking? Like, oh, well, there's these... Uh, like safe houses where they take immigrants that, that were returned from the United States. They, they take them to these safe houses, they get clean up, get help, and then they, uh, they take them to these safe houses, they, they give them shelter, and they tell them, okay, well, do you want to go back? You need to start working four or five days, and then people start traveling across the border again. I said, well, can you show me some of these places? And so they told me, there's a place in, in uh, Tijuana. I went to the place in Tijuana. They started telling me there's all the, there's all these safe houses on the border. You can go check them out. And I was telling me, you're joking, right? You, you know, you're you're letting me in, you know, as a bystander, not having taken, not having snapped one picture, and you're telling me you should go. And like, sure, you can take pictures here if you want. So that kind of just slid it slid down the hill and said all right well here's here's my adventure now mm. and uh, I talked to the documentary crew hey you guys you know there's there's these safe houses I don't know what you guys are, are covering but uh, if you guys are interested you know I can let you guys know how to get there they kind of gave me all the information on how to get there uh, what what roads to take and the documentary crew said all right sure so I started hitching a ride with them and Three weeks later, we end up we end up in Brownsville, Texas, after covering uh, the desert in Arizona. We said uh, they had a, they had a, a sheriff who was in, who was 
who's the deputy in, in Yuma, and he talked about his his perspective on the American side. That was pretty cool, just because I was covering a lot of the Mexican side. So that was kind of cool to to take their their subject and say, you know, let me get some pictures of this. He said there's tons of uh, this deputy said that there's tons of of trash and and litter on ranches in Arizona, which is why the Minutemen are so so strong in Arizona or so raged, I guess you can say. And he said you should go over there, uh, take a look at that. So he told me somewhere around Tucson, there's a there's a, I think there's the town was called Three Points, Arizona. And he said you should check it out there. There's there's this rancher. I'll give you the info. And met met up with the rancher. He said, "Yeah, I'll take you down to the litter. There's all this litter, you know, for miles. I mean, just of clothes, uh, diapers, uh, bags, uh, water, uh, water jugs. Mm-hmm. And it was just covered in litter. I was like, wow, you know, it was just one of those landscape photos. And luckily, I had one of the uh, one of the ranchers with the Minutemen uh, giving us a tour." And I took one one of those uh, those landscape photos, and it was just this one minute man guy walking in amongst all this rubble, and it was just you know, incredible to see that. You grew up in San Fernando, so there's a lot large immigrant community there. Um, so you you were probably used to growing up to hearing stories who people who had you know crossed over uh, both legally and Ill- illegally. But what what did your camera allow you to discover about that story that you probably never would have would have known or, or even thought of uh, unless you had gone down there with the camera and started shooting? What I found out with the camera, I mean, the camera helped me out just to get out there. I mean, I had I didn't know any stories about Arizona. I didn't even know that people cross Arizona. I mean, it's a desert. You know, why would anybody want to cross through there? Um, one, because you're walking, you don't have a ride, nobody's giving you water. So I would, I would never imagine that people would cross through Arizona. Hearing all the stories of, uh, of my family saying, oh, you know, we crossed through San Diego, we crossed over that little hill that's uh, right on, on, on the edge of San Diego and Tijuana. I said, that's where, well, that's where everybody crosses from. And, you know, I still had that picture in my head saying, oh, there's going to be 10,000 people flocking over. And now oh, there's cameras and and border uh, border patrol trucks there. So that kind of my my skewed vision was was of just pure ignorance. And I said, well, I want to find out how people are doing it nowadays. And so both the curiosity and just kind of those stories of what I've heard from before kind of pushed me to say, well, let me find out more about this. Let me see how people are doing it nowadays, and what are the consequences about it. Now, once I know all this information, how do I share it, or what what am I going to do with the information? So, with the camera, I kind of use it to to record what I was watching, what I was looking at, what I was what 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 I was learning from all the the information that was being given to me, and and uh, after I gathered so much, so many photographs and information, I, I said, "Well, this has to go somewhere. I mean, it has to. People have to know about this. 
don't know if they have to know, but I said this it would be kind of nice to, for people to know something about this and uh, use it on, on the wire service. I said, I called that up and I'm like, hey, you know, I just finished doing this border trip. And said, uh, I have all this information. They said, well, send us some of the information, we'll review it. Next thing I know, it's, it's out all over the world uh, just because the immigration is, uh, issue is so, so big right now. And at that point, it was just kind of like, um, there was a lot of raids happening at, towards the end of the year. So it was just kind of, kind of in the in the warming up session. Mm-hmm. So it was pretty cool that the information got out there, and I think my camera and my curiosity. Thank God it wasn't a cat, otherwise I'd be killed. Now. <laughs> um, what are, what do you envision yourself being? I mean, you're still you're still pretty young, and you know the um, you could be doing anything. You, you don't have you know wife, you don't have kids, you don't have a mortgage. You know, you're doing a good amount of traveling. You're doing a lot of pe- things that a lot of people would aspire to do. Do you imagine yourself doing this, you know, for, for a while and then moving on to something else? What, what are your, some of the ideas that you have uh, in terms of what kind of career do you, do you hope to have? I've been thinking about that um, a lot, a lot, lot more recently. <laughs> uh, just because... I'm getting to the point where I'm going to be 25. It's going to be a quarter of a century old already in, in, on this planet. Um, and I started thinking, well, you know, I really like what I'm doing. You know, I have no complaints. The money is shitty nowadays, but did I just cuss? Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> All right. um, the money's crap, but I don't mind the money. I mean, I don't mind uh, the suffering while doing the work I mean I don't suffer that much but I mean just the extraneous situations of being out in some desert in the heat or being in some arctic place in the super cold I wouldn't mind any of that I actually would come out come back with that with stories from experiencing that and that's kind of like at the end that's kind of like a big reward for me that's kind of what I would reward myself and reward uh siblings or or family or friends um, of what I've done that's that's the biggest accomplishment that I would that I'll feel grateful for about myself so as a career I would say you know being a documentary and photographer that would be the ideal ideal career you can say and um, after that I mean I don't know I haven't thought about any other career that I can think of it would inspire me to do something else, but um. what do you like best now about you know being a photographer? Because you talked about several different things, you know, about being out there, making the work, meeting the people, you know, getting your images published. But you know what? What you know? Because a, a lot of people would go at twenty-three. Okay, you better start doing something that really earns you some money and. And all that, you know, and get a real job and all this other stuff. I mean, I know, I know, I, I heard it, but you know, what for you sort of makes you want to hold on to it, even though it's not paying off right now. What makes you just say, you know, something I want to, I want to stick to this. What is it about making pictures or, or that that is that it, that you couldn't do without? That, you know, what, you know what I'm saying? I think it's the stories that inspire me to keep doing it. I mean, I know that. I've done, uh, I've done, I photographed people doing work at a landfill. 
They're saying, do you really need pictures for this? And I'm like, yeah, people want to know how, what, you, what you do for a living. Like, my job is boring. I'm like, I don't care about your job. You know, I'm here to make, to create beauty out of what you do. You know, so ignore me. Just do your everyday thing. They just, they just looked at me with this confused face and they're like, you're crazy. <laughs> Nobody's going to find interesting, in, anything interesting about what I do. And it's funny how once they, they, they block that out of their mind and start doing their own thing and using the camera, you can find so many great things uh, about their lives. And it's great enough that people are, are interested in, in other people's lives. I mean, it's why we have friends. I mean, if, if we weren't interested in anybody else's lives, I mean, we would just be self-involved and forget, forget the world. Uh, so that's, that's one kind of insp- inspiring thing that, that leads me to keep doing photography. Uh, just the stories that come out of it, uh, people you meet, places you go. Um, everything's changing nowadays, so whatever you see 10 years from now won't be the same that you see 10 years from today. Or, I mean, what you see 10 years from now is not the same as you see today. And so now your story changes. You know, or it adds another chapter to your story. Or however you want to change your story too. <laughs> so the last question I ask is I ask each photographer to recommend one photographer who they think our listeners to go check out and, and explore. So who would that be for you and why? Um, I don't know. You probably hear this all the time. But um, I would recommend James Nackway. Um, he's a great war photographer I know a lot of his work is involved in wars but um, I've been seeing his work lately he's been covering uh, another part of the war and this is the uh, the war victims all the soldiers uh, the doctors well even though they're not victims but they're they're helping the victims and uh how they recover afterwards and now you're not in the in the front lines of the war but now you're on the other side of the lines and looking at how people uh, come out of those front lines and seeing his work you know it's, it was just kind of it's pretty inspiring that you don't have to be on the front lines of being grabbing some amazing images you can be behind the lines or even another country 5,000 miles away and learning other stories about war and about the sacrifice that people are doing to keep freedom or keep peace or or resolve issues of um, monarchies or democracies and so looking at his recent work was is pretty cool yeah that's a good recommendation his work is, uh, is amazing well, thanks, Adrian. That, this was a, a real pleasure to get a chance to finally not only sit down and talk to you, but to learn more about your story. So thank you. Thanks. You need my real name or... Uh, what is your real name? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Adrian Sanchez Gonzalez, uh, and I'm 22 years old, freelance uh, photojournalist. Thank you, man. Thanks. Thanks again for joining me for another episode. If you have any comments or suggestions, please email me at thecandidframe at gmail.com or post a message on the blog at thecandidframe.com. Till next time, this is Ivarian X. Pirello, and this is The Candid Frame.
Check out this show and more great photography podcasts at photocastnetwork.com. Photocastnetwork.com.